0: You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Good morning and a happy Thursday. We'll jump right into the show. The justification for escalating tensions with Iran. Some senators, not so sure. The lead. All right, so less than 24 hours following an
1: Iranian missile strike targeting two Iraqi military bases with U.S. troops, two rockets reportedly landed in the green zone of Baghdad late last night, not far from the U.S. Embassy. Also, yesterday, like you touched upon there, Bruce, Congress was briefed on the developing situation in the Middle East, and some Republican senators are not happy with what they heard
0: specifically one of them is Republican Mike Lee of Utah
2: was probably the worst briefing I've seen at least on a military issue in the 9 years I've served in the United
0: States Senate okay uh and it, so basically they had they went into this secure room again remember the term the skiff and I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but I admit, it. but this is where you can't take technology into you got to leave your cell phones This is out. where they went to read the Mueller report. Thank you very much mm-hmm. that that this is where this briefing was held a secure room only for specific. Uh, um, senators that were part of the committees that have, to
1: and we're that. getting more familiar with the skiff because let's not forget it's also where people went to read about the whistleblower case, for right? example.
0: So it is a highly secure area, and this was supposed to be, or was p- said to be, a briefing to senators on some of the intelligence, the justification for the attack, uh, uh, the 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 assault on G- General Soleimani, as well as more things they've learned about iran senator mike lee and by the way senator uh Rand paul of kentucky um, were none too pleased with that specific briefing one of the
2: messages we received from the briefers was do not debate do not discuss the issue of the appropriateness of further miller military intervention against iran and that if you do you'll be emboldening iran the implication being that we would somehow be making america less safe by having a debate or a discussion about the appropriateness of further military involvement against the government of Iran. Now, I find this insulting and demeaning, not not personally, but to the office that... Each of the 100 senators in this building happens to hold.
1: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't seem to be upset, as a lot of people aren't necessarily upset that General Soleimani is gone.
0: Nobody's upset. Okay. By that. that's, so a, that's a, that's what, a canard. Yeah. What
1: uh, Republican Senator Mike Lee is upset about is about power and the separation of power.
0: Well, I, I think that we, again, we live in a post 9-11 world. And if you are any administration, R.D. makes no difference. If you're going to make the argument that American military forces uh, need to be used for blank, that we need to attack country A, group, whatever it might be, I'll, I'll acknowledge this. Do, do they need to hold a briefing on television and answer every question i'm sure there are operational intelligence things that don't but if you're unwilling to tell senators the the people representing us in a secure facility well uh, yeah i'm gonna have more questions by by the way it makes it more suspicious what you're doing not less suspicious
2: i had hoped and expected to receive more information outlining the legal, factual, and moral justification for the attack. I was left somewhat unsatisfied on that front.
1: Okay, so that gets to your point, where you don't have to necessarily hold a, you know, a press briefing telling the American people all of it. But yes, our elected political heroes should have that information. But I do feel like this is getting back towards who has the power Hmm. right now. And this back and forth between the legislative branch and the executive branch over who gets to declare war. Well, the Constitution grants Congress the sole power to declare war, but we haven't done it. Since 1942.
0: There is no doubt that there is cowardice Yes, on both sides yes. of the aisle going back to, again. 1942.
1: And you know who they declared war on? I had to look it up. Bulgaria.
0: Oh, my. Hungary. Lady. Yeah.
1: And Romania.
0: Yeah, I think we all remember that.
1: I think we all do as well.
0: So that you have elected officials... Who don't want to be on the record for voting for or against, but they want the ability to criticize it? You know, in hindsight, they're shirking their responsibility. Yeah, they're shirking
1: their responsibility per the Constitution. So I'm wondering if Mike Lee is going to be out on an island. Yeah, I know that Rand Paul is right there with him, but I'm wondering. What kind of beyond the Democrats? Of course, the Democrats are are are, are happy with Mike Lee, what Mike Lee is saying and what Rand Paul is saying. But I'm saying within the Republican Party, do do they really want that responsibility? They're claiming to want that responsibility, but the legislative branch hasn't exercised that legislate that responsibility. Quite some time. Yeah, I mean, and hello, uh, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Desert we, Storm, uh, Desert Storm. We also had Afghanistan, we, Vietnam. We, There you go. Thank you very much. I mean, Um, you know what I'm saying? So I I just I have a hard time believing that what Senator Mike Lee had to say is really going to impact too much. I mean, you read the headlines, cracks emerging among Republicans over Trump's handling of the Iran crisis. Yeah, there are some cracks, but are they going to turn into these huge breakaways? I don't necessarily think so.
0: How many will it take to peel away, though? How many senators might it be that it would take that? Something would would change.
1: Well, we know that the the House is going to be voting on, you know, war authorization packages and things along Mm. those lines. And the House is going to pass it. Okay, no doubt. You've had Senator uh, Kane who has said he's going to introduce something similar in the Senate. He's a Democrat. Of course he would. Of course. But now you have Mike Lee and Rand Paul going, maybe we'll sign on with that. Is it enough I don't necessarily think so. And Lindsey Graham is coming out and attacking people within his own party. This is this is a little different. I will concede it is different to be hearing the sniping going on within the Republican but there party. Is a, there
0: is a, again, there is a fundamental, for people that still have principles, and I realize once you get inside the beltway, they all go out the window. But for people that still have principles, the idea that we can unilaterally, Attack another nation or start a war that puts your children, makes you less safer, maybe here or your kids might be called upon to go and serve and fight in, quote, a war that your elected representatives never even debated. But again, never got into it. That's happened since you've been born. I don't disagree. And I've had a problem with all of it. I'm consistent. I didn't like it with Iraq. I didn't like it with Afghanistan. And I don't like it now. That's a consistent argument that Congress has abdicated its responsibility, that the AUMF that we came up with, the authorization to use a military force to, quote, go after the terrorists of 9-11, being used to go after after General Suleimani is ridiculous. Here's why. He's the opposite of the guys that came after us on 9-11. He hates the guys
1: who came after us on 9-11 just as much as we do. It's not about 9-11, though. It's just about that authorization. And you've had many presidents who have used that authorization. And it seems as though, like, again, Senator Lindsey Graham is going to give the president some cover for using that authorization. What a shock. I think mean, they're overreacting, quite frankly, go debate all you want to. I'm going to debate you. <laughs> Trust me, I'm going to I'm going to let people know that at this moment in time, to play this game with a poor war powers act, which I think is unconstitutional, is that whether you mean to or not, you're empowering the enemy. I know That's you don't it. mean to, but we live in the real world here. Right. So if, debate all you want.
0: This is a constitutional democracy, but get ready for a lively debate. Yeah, that if you question at any time, you're somehow, it, it, which is crap. Which is crap. When, where does the debate happen then? Where, when, how? Tell me the date, Lindsay. He doesn't have one, I guarantee you.
1: I, I think what Mike Lee was upset about, which I think really anybody would be upset about, if you go into a meeting with your boss, right, and they, they say, we don't even want you guys talking about this in, in, in the lunchroom or out in the hallways, you're like, really? Like, there's a major change going on in the company. Uh, as there's a major change going on in this country right now. And you don't even want us to, to, to talk to each other about it. And that's precisely what mike lee was told but again that's what i'm saying Uh, senator mike lee's going you you don't want us to go out and talk to the american public about it debate it publicly debate it at all that that's problematic and as he called it un-american and on that leg i think he definitely can stand
0: well and 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 uh, uh, you know he made the point also senators vote on funding for the Pentagon, the CIA, the intelligence. They have to approve the money for it, but you won't tell us the information behind it because what? We can't handle the truth? Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't. But again, they, they, they've all cowardly got away from ever voting on things like that. So, Pamela, I thought it was a foregone conclusion. The federal age to buy tobacco products is now 21. That includes vape and cigarettes, everything, right? Not so fast. That's what's not happening in Arizona. Why is that? Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I was under the impression, Pamela, that with a, with, a, with a stroke of the pen, it became illegal to sell tobacco products to anyone under the age of 21. Weren't you under that impression? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We talked about it. We talked about yeah. it. Thank you very much. So explain to me why, in December, when the federal government said the the legal age to purchase tobacco is 21, right here in Arizona, you could still be 18 and buy some?
1: Yeah, this this is where things get a little muddy and new, because I was not expecting this. Uh, Because the... The FDA mm-hmm. responded to an email that uh, our news department uh, you know, sent to them, and it says that the, the age change went into effect immediately, meaning that it is now illegal for a retailer to sell any tobacco product, including cigarettes, cigars, and e-cigarettes to anyone under 21. Yet, we had uh, State Attorney General Mark Burnovich in here yesterday Just talking yesterday. about yeah. vaping, and he was stopped in the newsroom afterwards to discuss this and go, okay, so... If you're 18 to 20, can you can you buy these products in Arizona right now? And he pretty much said it's unclear. Because the FDA has 180 days from when the president signed that legislation okay. to approve the new age limit. All right? And it's going to have to provide more details as to how this is going to be implemented. So Bernovich says they're they're waiting to see what the FDA actually does.
0: So yeah, it came out on late December is when this happened. It wasn't technically January first, but basically it was while you were away on vacation. The new rule for twenty one, and I'm wondering is is this like other broad rules? ...that the federal government has tried to institute where states pushed back. But again, I don't get the sense the state of Arizona is pushing back. It's almost... Let me use this as an example. The federal government, for a while, tried to push a 55 mile an hour speed limit. Everywhere. The, the fastest speed you could go anywhere was 55. And many states, Arizona being one of them, um, didn't go along with it. And the federal government threatened... Arizona and some other states with, like, withholding federal dollars if you didn't do this? Are we at the point where individual states are going to say, no, we're still going to sell to 18 under threat of taking our money away? I think really what it
1: more is is along the lines of, you know, you you, you can't turn a battleship on a dime. Things turn Take time. And so you've got states that want to make sure that they're doing it the proper way, that they understand what the FDA is, is trying to implement. And um, so there are several states out there right now, despite what the federal government has said, mm-hmm. that are telling stores that they can still sell those cigarettes while the federal law prohibits it. Um, you've got North Carolina and Missouri, who are two states that have said that to their retailers. Right. Which, you know, I, I I know you use like the speeding analogy. I, but I'm trying to think of something else. Alcohol. Okay. I, I mean, I, I believe that there was a, a point in time where, you know, you could still buy alcohol at the age of 18 in this country. Um, the federal government wanted it to be 21 and there was pushback and there was pushback by some states and so the federal government you know held states head underwater by withholding money and if you know if you don't raise it then you're not getting this and then now everybody knows that in the United States you have to be 21 to drink alcohol is that what we're going to see with tobacco use because yeah like you mm. said it was with a, a signature on a document the president and the federal government declared that you've got to be 21 to have any tobacco product um, you you and I were both under the impression that that was immediate. That was swift. Like, yeah. OK, to, yesterday you could do it. Today like they, you can't. Like they
0: went in and changed the sign. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? That's um, what I thought. But,
1: but again, that that, that that takes a little while to move through the system. I'm not mad that certain states, including right here in Arizona, is taking kind of a wait and see approach to see what will the rules, what's the implementation looking like? Because you do have um, 180 days from when it was signed mm-hmm. to, uh, to to come out okay. with that, that ruling.
0: Right. How is the situation with Iran playing out politically in Arizona? A battleground state. How does this... Uh, our senator, McSally, who's up for re-election, how does this play with Arizonans? And what is Commander Kelly' response? Tell you what, let's bring in someone who understands the machinations, the inner workings of politics in the state of Arizona. Chuck Coughlin, the president of High Ground Consultants, joins us to talk about how the Iran situation is playing out right here in the state of Arizona. Coming up next on Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Needless to say, it will become. Well, how can anyone predict what tomorrow might look like in this day and age? But as of right now, when you're looking at the 2020 election, yes, the vote is coming up in November. And here in Arizona. Some pretty high-profile elections. What has been going on with uh, Iran, the Middle East, or whatever is going to be part of this discussion? Maybe, maybe, maybe no place more than in the Senate race, where Senator McSally is. I I was corrected. I said running for re-election. My, I, somebody pointed out she was never elected, <laughs> so she's running for election. Yes, against uh, Commander Mark Kelly both of them with a military background which kind of plays into this joining us right now in studio is chuck coughlin and chuck is the president of high ground consultants a political consultant as well and tied into all this i i mean i, I don't know how it plays out i think most of us hey, yeah, we got to january 1st like you do and go hey eh, probably be a pretty calm year january 3rd <laughs> Not- so much for that <laughs> right all hell uh, broke loose does it help or hurt? Uh, I know that uh, Senator McSally has come out and has already started speaking about it. She was on uh, with uh, with Gatos just, uh, just the other day.
1: And this guy wasn't hiding in a cave like bin Laden. He got off an airplane at Baghdad International Airport, basically giving us the middle finger, you know, saying, like, I dare you. I can walk with impunity here and keep killing Americans and, you know. Not anymore. So, Chuck, the question is, does the skirmish in Iran with the United States help or hurt the president and these Senate candidates in our state, given the Luke population and given the amount of veterans that we have here?
3: Right. G- generally speaking, historic, the historic norm would be when there is a foreign conflict People tend to line up behind the president, Rally behind around. the administration, and support George, George that Bush. cause. Yes, nine eleven, right? Right, or Ronald Reagan with okay. Panama or, or Panama. Grenada. Grenada, or, yeah. uh. um, you know, these are the types of things where the public generally mm-hmm. rallies around. I think the the the. Public case has been made on Soleimani being a really bad guy. Agreed. I haven't heard. I haven't heard many American voices no, dissenting con- from contrary
0: that. Contrary to the talking points, which are you know, the Democrats are mad that we killed. Them. <laughs> Nobody's upset that Soleimani's dead.
3: No, very well. Maybe, well, apparently a bunch of Iranians, Iranians are.
0: <laughs> and some Sunnis uh, <laughs> are, are Shia yeah, are mad. Shia, That's it. Yeah.
3: So so. Historically speaking, when things like this happen, when it's, a, when it's a successful mission, controlled, it doesn't bleed out into more conflict and more conflict. I think the country is weary about um, a continued conflict in the Middle East. But I, I, I believe the way this is at least playing out right now looks like it may have been uh, a thoughtful response that may bring some – light to this discussion and get get the iranians back at the table.
1: Again, joining us right now is Chuck Coughlin, president of High Ground Consultants, and and Chuck, your reaction to the president's address yesterday where he stepped to the podium, flanked by his generals and vice president and um, kind of gave a bit of a mixed message, but took the off ramp that folks are calling it that Iran may have given him.
3: Yeah, which which was, you know, was fairly classic Trump striding to the podium, flanked by his generals. You know, it was all theater. And, you know, like you said, he largely stuck to script as, as well as he can do on something without being overly boastful and ego maniacal about it. Uh, but he did stick to script and, he, and, he, and there is a way that he's allowed uh, Iran, I believe, a way off the field here um, and not to escalate this conflict. Well, and had they killed American soldiers with their ballistic missile strike, I don't know that we'd be so here that's, today.
0: That's interesting, because one of the debates, and, and and it appears we've fallen on the side of, or the majority opinion is, they purposely missed. The, the Iranians purposely missed, uh, looking at the aerial photos, they struck airplane hangars, not barracks, as an example. Right, which is, you'd presume they know.
3: Right. I mean, they're in that country heavily. They have reconnaissance. They have surveillance. They they would know where the people were. Yes. They would know where they'd want to hit. They knew in uh, Lebanon where they were when Hezbollah took out all of our soldiers in Lebanon Mm -hmm. in the early in the mid 80s. Um, Yeah, they know. And so... It, it it seems like this was an attempt by the Iranian administration to, um, you know, send a message: say we can do this. They use their highest of high tech weapons, and um, we can, do more. Curve, we but, can yeah. do more. We can do more if we need to do more, but we're not going to do that right but,
1: now. Uh, uh, go ahead, Chuck. Uh, Chuck, I want to get your reaction, though, to some of today's news when it comes to Iran. And we've got what some are calling a bit of a a fracture, some cracks that are showing in the Republican Party with the way the president and his administration has handled briefing Congress on Soleimani and everything that's happening in Iran. We know that the House today is voting on the War Powers Resolution that'll go to the Senate. You've got some Republican senators like uh, Mike Lee who have come forward and said that they might sign on to that legislation. I would expect Arizona Senator Martha McSally to oppose it. But what about Senator Kirsten Sinema? Mm. What are your thoughts on her, on her I, when it comes m- to that?
3: I, we'll see how the debate plays out, but I, I could see her joining that side of the equation. Um, you know, America is we're leery and weary of f- continued conflict in the Middle East and spending our money and our treasure over there, you know, Almost two decades in Afghanistan, Are, you know, almost fifteen. Trump you know. ran on that, yeah. Ending and, and endless foreign war. And he did. And if this is a path where he can he can continue to navigate out, you know, we only have five thousand troops in Iran right now, but that's a lot in Iraq. In yeah. Iraq, right? In Iraq, right now. And so, you know, that, that's the question: is is there is there a way that we can draw down those forces and allow? you know those countries to solve their own problems without losing our treasure and i think there's a as you said pamela there's a there's a great deal of support for that on bipartisan sides. It's a bipartisan issue, I believe. I think of, of I do. I, I, it's what I gather from talking to most hmm. people is just, they don't want us to be in a protracted conflict over there anymore. Maybe surgical strikes, which we can do, which we demonstrated. we et cetera, it, right? Sure. But having American military personnel in these places, which is a never-ending conflict, and we become the proxy – you know, oh, let's attack Americans because then it's as close as we can, we can make it. a headline. Yeah, you know, let's let's get, make mm. it harder to, to attack Americans. No disagreement there.
0: Thanks a lot, Chuck. We appreciate your time today. Happy it's New Year. Always fun. Happy New Year. You find people. <laughs> Thank you. Struggle to say that. Did you hear that? How you stumbled <laughs> to that? A little bit. That's little what bit. I heard. That's okay. That's what That's I heard. All right. That's all all right. right. Chuck Coughlin, like president of High Ground Consultants. Why do some Arizona lawmakers want your kid to wait until the seventh grade? to learn about the birds and the bees. We're going to be talking about that coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Okay, so I have difficulty with memory. So I can't tell you exactly the age I was when I first started taking sex ed class. And by the way, I think we called it health class back then. Yeah. I don't think we used the term sex it in was a sentence. kind of part of Sex, the- I thought, was a dirty word for a long time. Like, you couldn't <laughs> yeah. say it.
1: Well, it still is for some okay, people. Okay, fair
0: enough. Maybe I shouldn't be using it now. Uh, but health class, we learned a variety of things. You know, we saw, we saw films. Okay, by the way, Stevie Z, films, we had these huge projectors. You had to thread the thing through. You had an A.V. aid. We'd go through. And we'd see films like, your body is changing. You know, ha, you know, puberty and you things like that, right? Wow, that sounds riveting. It was. Listen, it's a a hot seller. Check it out on on Netflix. Five stars. Uh, but do we need a law in Arizona, a law to make it illegal to teach sex ed to anyone before the seventh grade?
1: Seventh grade, yeah, uh, that is a proposal that some within the Republican Party in the state. Are making. Mr. Donk. And it would ban mm-hmm. sex ed, not only till the seventh grade, but also any discussions of homosexuality. And when I say discussions of homosexuality, what currently is happening in Arizona in regards to that is just the acknowledgement that there are individuals who have different sexual orientations, different gender identities um there 's no promotion, i guess you could say or promoting of you know the l g b t q lifestyle um it 's just telling kids that there 's the existence of it and and let me just tell you this my ten year old knows that
0: so what, what grade I, what grade is that again that riley 's in yeah riley she 's in fourth fourth grade okay okay okay,
1: and she 's aware of it at ten got it I think that by the age of thirteen. Kids are very well aware of it. There's something so called seems, the internet. Well, not just the internet, but uh, their own classmates. We I'm, sexualize I'm honest,
0: everything in this culture, too, right? It's not too, even right?
1: A sexualization. No? It, it is, it's just the existence of. I, I think okay. what we're trying to do is you, you you have adults that are trying to protect kids from adults having those difficult conversations. They're mm. not trying to protect kids. They're trying because to protect the kids the adults from having those conversations. Having that, the
0: kids have those thoughts. Pamela, we asked on our totally unscientific poll of the day up on the Facebook page, at what age should sex ed be taught in schools? Uh, uh, sex ed. Using the argument that teaching anything other than abstinence could be illegal before the seventh grade, I asked, is this an effort to protect kids from learning about sex or an unrealistic perception of kids today? You got to vote, no touching! Or... They already know. Pamela, what do you think the vote is? I'm, I'm sixty coming.
1: forty, they already know. Eighty-two okay. percent
0: say they already know.
1: Yeah, and so I think that what you've got here are just a bunch of adults Uh-oh. down at the state legislature that are afraid of the talk because they never had one and they didn't have it with their kid. And they're trying to put all this weight on a particular book. All right. Mm-hmm. There is this book out there that has been it's called It's Perfectly Normal. Changing Bodies, Growing Up, Sex, and Sexual Health. And if you've been following what some of these state lawmakers have been talking about regarding this book, they're saying that, you know what, it promotes uh, promiscuity. It actually has pictures of teens having sex, and it's wildly inappropriate. And that's not true. There there are no pictures of teens doing that. No, there are pictures of adults. They're illustrations. Illustrations of... Which I know makes parents quite uncomfortable and i get that like i'm sensitive to that i get that and is there any place in school for a book like that here's the thing yeah there's no evidence that teachers are actually using this book in any classroom
0: it's a a fake outrage
1: and the idea that you know we're not going to have these kinds of conversations it's not necessarily about sex it's also about your body and let me tell you boys' and girls' bodies change well before the seventh grade. And if you're waiting until that point in time to have the conversation, then you are going to be having a lot of kids that
0: are confused. Yeah, and and the mistakes, errors, misjudgments they could have prior to this class can have long-lasting consequences.
1: Again, I think that this is a proposal to protect adults from having difficult yeah. conversations, not from protecting Kids. I think the argument
0: that you don't teach sex ed to kids because it'll encourage them to have sex is like you don't teach them murder's wrong because they might kill somebody. Mm, I don't think so. Why are we targeting vaping when alcohol is proven to be much worse? New numbers are out. We'll share them with you next.